Hello everybody, I am Lucia Matuonto and welcome to the Relatable Voice podcast, a talk show where my guests and I talk about relatable everyday situations, books, and the environment we live in. Remember to subscribe and follow the podcast on social media so you can be notified when a new episode is available. Let's begin! This episode is sponsored by Formatted Books. Formatted Books is a book designing company for independent authors who want to see their written work come alive. On today's episode of the RV, we are on the road towards Los Angeles, California to chat with Sandy Rodriguez. Sandy is a court interpreter and the author of the new book, Choose to Prevail. So beautiful, Sandy, welcome to the RV. Thank you so much, Lucia. It's a pleasure to be here with you on Relatable Voice. Yes, it's my pleasure, Sandy. So I was reading about you and you mentioned you interviewed Beyonce which makes me a little nervous interviewing you. <laughs> how did it happen and how was that experience? Well, let me tell you, the thing is that um, for many years, I worked in one of the most influential newspapers in Latin America. The name of that newspaper was Reforma, which means uh, reform. However, this was not a uh, politically driven newspaper. It was rather a newspaper meant more for the business person. And we also had a heavy focus on what is known as soft news, which is basically everything that is not politics, should we say. So I was for many years in charge of soft news supplements, which included a number of publications for the newspaper that touched upon topics such as fashion, architecture, certain types of business, uh, the environment, and many other topics, including um, entertainment. And in fact, uh, one of my functions within the newspaper was helping to edit a magazine that was weekly and was published every week. And it focused on Hollywood celebrities and to a lesser degree on European royalty and just interesting lifestyle issues. So I did get the chance, as well as everybody else that worked for that magazine, to meet uh, and interview many different celebrities. And at a certain point in time, there was this movie coming out. The title was Dream Girls. And it featured people such as Jennifer Hudson, that was uh, an actress that at the time had just won a singing contest. And another one of the actresses uh, was Beyonce, no less. So it was very interesting. When it, was, when it was my turn to interview her, this took place in New York. And more to the point, it took place in her suite, in her hotel suite. I don't think that she was necessarily... Uh, staying there or lodging there, but that was where she was uh, physically um, staying when she was speaking with different members of the press. So I went inside her suite. I was the only, let's say, journalist there. It was a one-on-one -on -one interview. She was there with her publicist. Uh, interestingly enough, she was barefoot 
and she was kind of reclined on, uh, I'm guessing it was a couch of some sort. I thought it was very interesting that she was so extremely relaxed and barefoot, no less. Um, I thought she was probably the most impeccably groomed person I had ever seen. I don't know if I could say that she was uh, extraordinarily beautiful. I'm sure she was, but what was more striking was the degree of impeccable grooming. For example, I mean, if her feet were in, I mean, fully visible and they were impeccable, I thought she looked more like a mannequin than a human being because of that level of grooming. So that was interesting. And the conversation itself, as I recall, was also interesting because at a certain point she mentioned that she normally assumed that things would happen in her favor. For example, she mentioned, well, sometimes I feel like I would like to win this award and then I win the award and then I want to uh, do this other thing and it happens. And I thought it was interesting because she did not seem like a vain person or um, somebody that was in any way boastful or stuck up, but rather as a person that went through life just assuming that good things would happen and somehow for her, they did. And that's interesting. Sometimes if we go around life thinking, oh, everything will be horrible, everything will be terrible, it kind of tends to make that happen. So it's better to just assume a Beyonce, you know, state of mind and just go around thinking things will work out fine and that will make it easier for them to actually turn out fine, I think. Yes, absolutely. And Sandy, you are a court interpreter. What languages do you speak? Well, the one that I interpret is Spanish. And this is quite an interesting story. I moved from Mexico City, where I was working as a journalist, as I mentioned. And at a certain point in time, after several years, after about a decade and a half, uh, after having practiced uh, that career and explored that field, I moved to Los Angeles. And after different, uh, let's say, experiences in deciding, okay, what career path will I follow now? Uh, what am I going to do now? Uh, it so happened that I realized that there was a field that I had not been aware of, which is court interpreting. And it's very fascinating. It's um, a field that is very high um, as to responsibility. There's a very high level of responsibility because the way it works is that you are physically in a courtroom during a court proceeding and you would be interpreting everything, everything that is being said, every, every last thing for whoever does not speak in this case, English. So for example, let's say that there is, um, I don't know, a defendant or a plaintiff or a witness or somebody within the proceeding that does not speak English and they speak Spanish, I would be using special equipment, uh, repeating everything, everything that is being said for that person uh, in Spanish. And then whenever that person were to testify or give some kind of statement, I would say that out loud for the whole courtroom in, in English. So it's something that's interesting, Lucia, because it's an activity that you do in the moment. You know how many times whenever you practice a hobby or uh, do some work, you do something now and you experience the results or the rewards of your efforts in the future. 
maybe a few days in the future or a few hours, maybe a few years, depending on the activity. For example, if you do research, obviously it might take uh, many years to achieve your result. Or if it's something like, let's say that you're a, a cook or a baker, well, you do something now and you will have your food ready in a few hours, perhaps. Well, in the case of interpreting, it's very fascinating because it's something that you do right now and your results are seen right now in the very moment. And once it's over, it's over. So I think that's very unique. So you verbally translate everything the judge and others say from English into Spanish. And what I, what I see is that the situations can be very difficult and a lot of responsibility. Yes, exactly, because there's no alternative. Uh, like, let's say, if the following day you say, oh, I could have done this differently. Well, the time has passed, and, and what's done, it's done. Yes, so it is uh, high responsibility in that regard, absolutely. And, Sandy, is there any interesting story that you can share with us? I think many interesting stories, but I'm going to tell you one that did not happen to me personally, But let me tell you uh, about the story. I heard it from a friend and I thought it was just very interesting. This uh, apparently took place not during a trial, but rather during what is known as a deposition, which is basically a meeting in which an individual is giving a verbal sworn statement. So this uh, person uh, was in a situation where they were giving this sworn statement and an attorney asked uh, the person who had committed in their opinion a specific crime and the person who was speaking Spanish said yo which for those for those Spanish speaking uh, speakers out there means me so the attorney was like I'm sorry what uh, let me rephrase the question who committed this crime and the person said yo So the interpreter said, me, and the attorney was like, what? So they repeated the question many times over. And the person that was giving the statement kept saying, yo, and the interpreter kept saying, me, it was I, it was me, I did it, because that was what the interpreter understood the answer to be. And after a lot of pressure, It turned out that the problem was with the accent. The person was not saying yo, meaning me, but rather Joe, meaning a person called Joe, like Joseph. So can, you can imagine the big difference that just one word could make, right, in the outcome of the case. Wow, he could have gone to jail. Yes, exactly, exactly. All because of uh, an accident and a possibly a faulty translation or interpretation. It could have ended very badly. <laughs> yes. I believe interpreters have many stories like this to tell. And Sandy, you just published your first book called Choose to Prevail. Can you quickly tell us what it's about? Absolutely. It's a short book meant to be read in an afternoon and perhaps consulted in the future. And it's a book that is meant for anybody that wants to feel more self-acceptance, more self-confidence, and possibly more confidence in what the future holds. Uh, it's a book that touches upon many different topics. 
And it helps the reader overcome different difficulties or challenges or insecurities that they might be facing, be it something very major, for example, the loss of a loved one, or being something not quite as major, but also important to the individual, such as overcoming a physical insecurity, or um, let's say the situation where they might feel uh, overly self-conscious and not comfortable when speaking in public, or overcoming feelings of envy when they see people that might have something that they want, or overcoming the difficulty of interacting with difficult people, or overcoming feelings of loneliness when they are alone. So basically, it's a book with many different topics, but the overarching themes are what can we do in order to feel more self-confident, more self-accepting, and with more confidence in what the future will hold. That sounds interesting as, as we are talking about self-confidence. How can we overcome stage fear? I think that that is possibly one of the things that most people are concerned about. Firstly, because fear of speaking in public or just, you know, um, arriving in a situation where there are a lot of people is normally something that is very intimidating for almost everybody. And the other thing is that, interestingly enough, public speaking is probably the skill that is most useful in life because no matter what your field, what um, what your situation, there will come a point in life where it will come in handy, even if you're not a professional public speaker, but at some point you will be asked to, I don't know, give a toast at a wedding or uh, perhaps uh, engage in a job interview in front of a panel of potential people that will be doing the hiring. So in any case, it's a skill that's extremely important to develop. And there are many things that one can do. One of the things has to do with um, body language. And this is something quite interesting for people that have studied acting, for example, there is a way to project confidence, even if you're not feeling all that confident, which is um, basically to claim your territory. And what that means is to use up more space, occupy more space within wherever you are. For example, let's say that you are going to be speaking uh, and let's say you're going to be seated. If you're making your body small, yourself small, your hands are close to your body, your shoulders are down, you're trying to make yourself small, that will uh, definitely project a lack of confidence and it will make you actually feel less confident. Whereas if, for example, you lift your sternum, which is a bone that is in the middle of your chest, and you make yourself look bigger, actually just be expansive, expansive with open arms, your fingers more open, your uh, shoulders thrown back. That actually does something uh, in the sense that even if you're not feeling very confident, people will perceive you as more confident and you will indeed feel that way after a while. So that's one thing that people can experiment with. Firstly, in normal everyday situations so that they can test it and feel a certain difference that will help them uh, when the time comes to actually give a presentation. Now, in the book, I also mention um, 
something that has to do with a mindset shift. Sometimes the reason that we're very self-conscious is because we believe that people are looking at us uh, in great detail and focusing on every flaw and focused on every mistake and trying to catch us in the act of making a mistake. And the reality is that they're not. In fact, even if, uh, though it is a blow to the ego, the reality is that people are normally not paying that much attention to us. And although it's like, oh, well, that's a blow to my ego. It's also very relaxing in the sense that you can um, feel more free and bring a little bit more of that unselfconsciousness to every interaction. For example, when we go, when we personally go to, let's say, a concert or a sporting event, even if we bought the tickets and we're very interested in whatever is happening, we're not focused 100% on the batter or the quarterback or the drummer or the singer 100% of the time. Our mind tends to wander a little or we might be getting a snack or, you know, checking the phone. It's not like, we're, you know, looking at their hair and looking at their shoes and checking that out. We're just not doing that. And people are not doing it to us. So that's something that's that's also very important to keep in mind, don't you think? Absolutely. And one thing to do is before you stand to speak is focus on the audience, not on yourself. But it's difficult. It's very difficult, at least initially. In the book, I mentioned an anecdote that actually happened to me when I was uh, much younger, let's say when I was still in college. Uh, and even uh, before that, of course, I used to be particularly scared of public speaking. And it was very obvious. You know how with some people you can't notice? In my case, you would notice because I had the tendency to blush uh, a deep shade of red and I would sweat and I was just very, very nervous when speaking in public. But I had an experience uh, that was actually very surprising. I was going to have to give a talk at school in college and I was very scared. I didn't want to do it, but well, I mean, I was going to have to because it was necessary for my grade. So uh, the previous evening, I was like, oh my goodness, tomorrow I'm going to have to do this thing. It's going to be terrible. What happened, Lucia, was that that evening, I also had a lot of homework, so much homework that I wasn't able to sleep at all. And on the morning that I had to give the presentation, I showed up at school without having slept at all. Now, normally, that's not recommended. Normally, we all know that when you have something important to do, it's very necessary to get your rest, get your beauty sleep, you know, show up fresh. Well, in this case, it wasn't possible because I simply had not been able to sleep. But guess what? What ended up happening was that I felt so exhausted that I simply could not feel nervous. Because when you're exhausted, you might feel irritable, you might feel angry, you might feel uh, impatient, but you do not feel scared. It's impossible. If you're exhausted, you cannot be scared. So at least for that one occasion, I was able to give a very assertive talk because imagine, imagine that you haven't slept all night. If somebody were looking at you, you wouldn't care. You would say like, yes, and what is your problem, right? Because you're just so exhausted. So that's what ended up happening. So people thought, oh, she's a wonderful public speaker, very confident, very assertive, if anything, a little aggressive. So it actually ended up working in my favor, you know? 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yes, this was a great example. And one of the points in your book that I loved is why having haters could be flattering. So, Sandy, can you elaborate on that? Yes, and I know it sounds very strange. But uh, here's the thing. In general, uh, for example, think about products in business or TV shows or movies or books or uh, pretty much anything. Nothing uh, that is successful is liked by everyone in the universe. Nothing that is successful. The only things that are not disliked by anyone are things that are very forgettable, things that don't make any impact. So we can assume that if we as people have no haters at all, nobody that dislikes anything about us in any way, very likely we ourselves are very forgettable or very bland or very uninspiring. Normally, the only things that are in no way polarizing are things that are also not very exciting. For example, I've never heard a person say, I hate uh, toast with a burning passion, how I hate toast. That doesn't happen. I mean, a piece of toast is just something that nobody hates. It's also something that nobody gets excited about. The same thing, uh, paintings, art, can often inspire people to say, I love it, it's beautiful. Or on the opposite end of the spectrum, people might say, I hate that artist, it's just not my style. But nobody says, I hate that blank piece of canvas. I hate that blank piece of cardboard. I hate that blank piece of paper. People don't hate blank pieces of paper because there's just nothing to hate. But also uh, on the flip side, there's nothing to excite or inspire or attract. So for example, if um, you look, uh, if you go to a website, for example, Amazon and look at the reviews for a massive bestseller, a very popular book that many people like, you will find many, many, many five-star reviews. But it's also likely that you will find a one-star review, a two-star review saying, I hated this book. It's awful. I don't understand what the fuss is all about. It's horrifying. I will never read it again. I will tell my friends not to buy it. I hate this book. So it's quite interesting because it's almost impossible to inspire passion and love and excitement without simultaneously inspiring, at least in some groups, the opposite. Uh, maybe not hatred, maybe that's a little bit too strong of a word. And certainly when I say haters, I don't mean violent individuals or anybody that engages in discrimination or harassment or anything like that. But um, if you are uh, somebody that everybody says like, eh, yeah, she's, uh, yeah, okay. Well, that's not what you want. I think that in order to make an impact, 
you need to be willing to also have a couple of people not like what you're doing. I think that's uh, the mark uh, of doing something exciting in your life. Absolutely. It's like that quote. If you don't want to be criticized, don't do anything new. Yes, that's just the way it is. For example, with my book, Choose to Prevail, I have to say that on the one hand, I'm proud and happy that it has been very well received. In fact, it won a silver medal recently in the 2021 Reader's Favorite Awards uh, in the uh, nonfiction grief and hardship category. And it is also currently a finalist in the best health and fitness book category for the International Latino Book Awards, which will be actually given out in a couple of weeks. So very soon. And I hope to be getting uh, something nice out of that contest as well. So in reality, I would say that it's been very well received. But when I go online, it's interesting. Uh, on Amazon, for example, at this particular point, I have around 150 reviews. Many are very uh, flattering. Many are five-star reviews. Many are four-star reviews. Many are very moving, and I'm very happy. But the reality is that there are also a handful, two or three, that say, it wasn't for me. I didn't like it. I didn't enjoy it. It wasn't what I thought it would be. And you know, that's fine. I think that's fine because it speaks to the fact that all of these reviews are real. It's not like I'm telling friends, hey, or paying people and saying, come on, review the book. No, no, no. It's authentic reviews. I think that the one-star reviews lend more credibility to the actual uh, five-star reviews. And it also speaks to the fact that indeed it's not a book for everyone and it's not meant to be. And I don't expect to be a person that appeals to everyone. And also, you know, the interesting thing, Lucia, is that the thing about the book that some people like is the thing that other people do not like. The people that do like it say, I enjoyed the book because it feels like a conversation with a friend. It feels like hanging out with a supportive person. It's very conversational. It's very easy to read. And the thing that people that don't like the book don't like is that they say, I didn't like the fact that it was very casual. It felt like a conversation. I wanted something different. I wanted something more structured. So again, there's just no pleasing everyone. And that's just the nature of, of whenever you put out something into the world. Well, the world has the opportunity to do with it what it may, right? Yes, I agree totally. And not everyone will like your work or will like you, but, but that's okay. And Sandy, you've been doing a lot. So what else are you looking to accomplish in the near future? Well, let me tell you, right now I'm about to launch a video series inspired by the book. This is a project that will be released in uh, winter of 2021, so soon. Um, it's going to be a six-part video series in which I speak with uh, people from many different walks of life. And it was just a fascinating thing. It's something that was inspired by the book. So these are people that have overcome challenges in different aspects. And I really did get to meet people that I wouldn't have met otherwise. For example, let me give you an example of one of the people that I spoke with. Um, as you know, I used to live in Mexico City when I was working in journalism. And when I was much younger, I would say in the 90s, 
there was this man from a small village in Canada called Thunder Bay. His name was Ian Hodgkinson, and this man moved to Mexico City. This is a man that used to be um, a bodyguard for this uh, duo or duet of singers called Millie Vanilli. And he moved to Mexico City, and as uh, fate would have it, he became a very, very popular wrestler. Uh, he had this very interesting look, like a very goth, gothic, uh, vampire-like look. And in fact, his stage name or his wrestler name was uh, Vampiro. Uh, so he became very popular, not only in wrestling, but also as a mainstream celebrity. And he was dating actresses and he was just a very popular man uh, in the 90s. But let me be honest, Musi, I hadn't given him much thought in, in recent years because I'm not really a wrestling fan. And certainly this was a long time ago. But in more recent years, as I was uh, scrolling through Instagram, I saw his profile and I thought, oh, that's interesting. Let's see what he's been up to. And I uh, started following him. And one day I saw an image that I thought was so shocking. It was a picture of him back in the 90s drenched in blood, like completely head to toe. And I thought, okay, that's a horrible image. But then I read the caption that he had written uh, to accompany that, that photograph. And he said, well, this was a fantastic day for my career. It was wonderful. At that time, I hadn't been very well known. But that day, I just bled so much. And this was so shocking to see that I became so much more popular and people started paying so much more attention to me. I would say that this was the match that really made my career. It was a game changer. It really moved the needle for me. And it really strengthened uh, my career. So, you know, I thought that's fascinating. Like, most people would say the day that I was bleeding to death was not a good day. So I thought this man is clearly a, an optimist. I mean, what a wonderful way to look at something that few people would consider, you know, good. So I thought I need to reach out to this man and I would love to get to know more about him and his viewpoints on life in general. So I did. I reached out to him and he was kind enough to join me for uh this new series that I'm hosting. And, you know, it's very interesting. Right now, he's almost uh, entirely retired from wrestling. Right now, he's doing something a little bit different. He sadly developed uh, Alzheimer's and Parkinson's as a result of his uh, previous lifestyle. So what he did first and foremost is he went back to school to study psychology, to understand uh, what was behind his condition. And what he decided after learning about the possible progression that these illnesses will have is that he decided to take this um, in stride and looking at it from a very positive perspective. For example, he knows he's having issues with his memory. So what he's doing now is dealing with it from this point of view. He says, okay, yes, my memory is not very sharp but I'm going to look at it as a blessing rather than as a curse. Because I'm forgetting a few things, I don't hold any grudges against anyone because I can't remember whatever somebody did to me. So I have no hatred and no ill will uh, toward anybody from my past. Or um, as to things that I might feel guilty about, of course, I, I certainly would like to apologize to anybody I hurt, 
but I don't feel guilty because I really can't remember. So that's something that's uh, a blessing in a sense. I thought that was just fascinating, looking at things from a very positive perspective. Yeah, he is adorable. He has an amazing attitude. And Sandy, your book title is called Choose to Prevail. What is the inspiration behind the, the title? Well, let me tell you. I wanted to do something that was intriguing, something that people would say, I wonder what that book is about, and have them a little bit um, surprised once they saw the range of topics that it covers. But I felt that the title does indeed reflect the content because the word prevail is, even though I'm a professional interpreter and also a professional translator, the word prevail is a word that does not actually have an equivalent in Spanish, at least not in my point of view. You might say that it means, um, let's say, winning, but there's another level to it. When you prevail over something, it implies that there was a challenge or that there was an obstacle. When you prevail in a situation, it means that you win, you are the winner, you are the victor, but there was an obstacle that you had to overcome. If uh, everything is going perfectly for you from the start, everything is just fine, you wouldn't say, I prevailed because there's nothing to prevail from. Just the very fact that you are prevailing means that there was some form of struggle or something in your way. It means that you were eventually the victor, the winner, um, the most successful one, but there had to be some kind of struggle or opposition or um, obstacle. So that's important. That's why I wanted to put that word in there so that people that were facing something difficult would be um, drawn to the title. And I threw in the word choose because I do believe that to a certain degree, uh, circumstances do have an impact on our day-to-day -day life but we still have much more agency and much more power over circumstances than we sometimes believe. So to a very, very strong degree, prevailing is a choice and not only uh, a factor of letting things be or saying, well, that was fate or that was the hand that I was dealt. No, we do have um, a greater degree of agency and we can choose to prevail. Yeah, I love this title. And it's very positive, choose to prevail. <laughs> I wanted to give people the, the empowerment and the feeling that it's not that they are subject to forces, outside forces that will, you know, you know, be tossed at them and have them flailing in the wind. No, no, actually, even within very trying circumstances, you still can make different choices that will enable you to to triumph over whatever is causing you sorrow or grief. I think your book is like a self-help book, uh, like you are talking to a friend, and let us know where we can find this great book. Thank you so much, Lucia. The book is available on most major online platforms. Certainly the easiest one would be Amazon. Through Amazon, you can find Choose to Prevail by Sandy Rodriguez. But I do know not everybody likes to buy from Amazon for whatever uh, reason. Uh, so it is also available on other websites, for example, barnesandnoble.com or walmart.com, for example. 
It is also available on the heartofhollywoodmagazine.com website. Uh, on that particular website, uh, the type of book that is sold is signed copies. So if you want a signed copy with a personal message that can be acquired through that website. Otherwise, I think Amazon really is very practical because it is sold internationally. So if you go to your own country's Amazon page, be it in India, be it in Australia, be it in the UK, you can find uh, Choose to Prevail as a paperback or as an ebook, whatever is more convenient to you. And certainly, I would love to connect with anybody that is a book lover or anybody that is an author or anybody that is just interested in squeezing as much joy from life as possible. And we can easily connect on Instagram. My Instagram handle is at choose to prevail. Excellent. Also, your article will be on my website, www.luciamatuonto.com, and send it was super, super amazing to talk with you today. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed taking that little trip in your RV and meeting you and really, uh, you know, having this very, very pleasant conversation. I'm very glad we connected. And I hope your, your listeners enjoyed uh, what we discussed as well. I'm sure they will. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe so you'll be notified when the next one is posted. Please rate this podcast and share it with your friends. Thank you for listening, and remember, relationships don't exist. Relating does. Until next time.